Hello, welcome to the Leaders of Learning podcast. I'm your host, Ling Ling. As facilitators, trainers, or educators, we speak to a wide range of people. We may face audiences of different ethnicities, professions, and for some of us, different generations. One of the most common challenges today is to connect with audiences of a different generation. How can we engage an audience different from us? How do we adjust ourselves to facilitate learning for the boomers, the Gen Xers, and the millennials? Speaking with us is Raymond Thomas, who is the founder of The Leadership Paradigm and co-founder of Enable. He has tremendous experience in facilitating, instructing, and educating across generations. As we know, we have the baby boomers that were born between the 1940s to the 1960s. We have the Gen Xers that were born between the 1960s to 1980s, as well as the Generation Y that were born in the 1980s to 2000s. And Generation Y are known as the Millennials. So I know there are plenty of uh, research out there that categorizes and characterizes all these different generations. So uh, what I understand, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is that the baby boomers are more of like the moral authority, making sure that everyone is disciplined or follow a sort of moral code, whereas Generation X is more of like the generation of doers, so they have the life experiences of living life before technology and after technology, whereas the millennials, they have the the privilege of living a life completely with technology mm -hmm. and therefore the character that comes out with all these different generations are very different. Right. So uh, based on your observations uh, in your programs, in your consulting work, uh, are these characteristics kind of true? Well, they are. They are actually and, and you've kind of like described it uh, rather accurately. You know when you think generational differences uh, especially in a context of classroom, and I've been doing this uh, for approximately eight to nine years right now. Um, the generational differences in classrooms, um, they are has an aspect of adult learning, all right? And, and they influence the individual learning styles, okay? So no, no one size fits all solutions, the way I've, I've seen it. Uh, so in other, in other words, to accommodate learning preferences of all generation, like for instance, uh, if you're talking about people who are very um, auditory-centric, or auditory learners, then lectures would be ideal for them, right? Uh, as compared to kinesthetic learners, right, and, and imaginative um, learners who want activities to stimulate probably their right brain, uh, and, and these are just some of the facts that you can think about. So, so there's a cross-diversity when you walk into the room. So the key is to include um, diversity in all your interactions with, uh, with your clients, right? Be it in consulting, uh, be it in delivery work, or be it even in coaching. Do you see any generation that has an inclination towards a style? Like, for example, the baby boomers, they prefer auditory learning, so therefore they might sit down and listen, prefer listening to a lecture. Uh, perhaps Gen X's uh, prefer doing, so they prefer interactivity, they prefer uh, group work or group discussion and so on. Do you see that kind of um, 
inclination for the different generations? Uh, yes, I do. I actually do see a lot of that inclination. And, and one of the things that, that I got to keep in mind is uh, going back to um, history a little bit in the way that the boomers were brought up, the way that Gen X's were brought up, and eventually the way Gen Y's were brought up. I, I think with that, that basic information, uh, you would be able to understand these different generations a little bit more. Uh, for, for instance, if you, if you think about the boomers, all right, uh, boomers are big on entitlement. All right, they want to be the center of attention. All right, that's for the boomers. So they are very internally focused, um, yet extrinsically motivated. They prefer a classroom which is more democratically run and enjoy working on a collective basis. That's provided uh, that they have an achievable mission and a spirit of cooperation. Okay, why do they look for these things? And, and it's, it's just basically um, the way they were brought up, all right? So if you think about it from a boomer's perspective, uh, how did they learn in school? So when they learned in school, uh, the, the, the focus of the center was always teachers. All right, so they were told to respect teachers, seniors, and they were supposed to just sit and listen. And if, you, if you're not sitting down and listening, what happens, you get conditioned, you get reprimanded in the classroom itself. So a lot of those habits have stuck with boomers. And, um, and what happens is that's, that's what you see, that's how you see them in the, in the classroom itself. That's how they want to be treated uh, that's how they want to be entertained in the classroom. So if I hear correctly, it's because their education is in such a way where um, the setup is I listen to the teacher, if I step out of line, um, then the teacher will recommend them. And that kind of conditioning has been, how to say, brought with them into the workplace when they become adults and learn as adults as well. Absolutely. And, and there is also the element of uh, social effects mm -hmm. on them. So, so if you, Think about boomers. Boomers are supposed to be, um, uh, you know, good role models in, right. in many, many different ways. So you tend to see a little bit of that, especially when you walk into a classroom which comprises also of boomers. Now, one of the things that boomers like is they enjoy interacting with others. All right, they also like interacting with others, and they prefer to experiment with new skills very independently. Independently? Uh, yes. So that means that sounds a bit of a paradox. So they like is. to interact, yes. but they want to try skills by themselves. How, how does that work? Well, well, they want to learn from others, which is the point of interacting. So I want to learn what what do you do well, or how do you address this, and then I want to go away and cultivate my own skills on it. You know that kind of thing. So I I wouldn't openly say that hey I'm copying what you're learning, but I I have a certain pride that I need to go away and practice it on my own and perfect it to my, my requirement. So I suppose, in a way, if they practice in front of others, they might make mistakes as they're practicing and that in turn might make them feel as if they're not the role model anymore. So it makes sense that they learn from others in terms of discussion and sharing experiences and then they practice it on their own before they can incorporate it into their role model kind of uh, identity. That's if I can say it that, that, that is yeah. correct. That's very, very clear. Now, the other thing that we need to be, we need to recognize is the fact that they are rather sensitive to criticisms. Oh, I see. So that's another point too. 
where they probably would not want to play back on, you know, when they're learning on their own and, and they're trying to internalize what they've discovered from others, right? They, they, don't, they, may, they fear that they may do things uh, inaccurately, incorrectly, uh, and, and as a result of that feedback, right? So it's not, just, it's not just constructive criticism, but it's even simple feedback. You know, you can do this better. So we need to be sensitive in a classroom um, when you have boomers and how, how you give feedback, all right? And, and one of the things I always love to do with boomers, and I recognize when boomers are there, I always ask for permission to give them feedback. And if they are open to it, then I do that. Is this similar with other generations in your classroom too? Do you need to ask for permission when giving feedback to a Gen Xer or a millennial? It's a little bit more different. Um, I, I think Gen Xs and Millennials, again, are, are um, well, I, I make it, so this is what I do. Even though they are a little bit different, I try to have a consistent practice for myself, you know, when I, when I want to give feedback to someone, right? And, and if, it's, if it's something that's really constructive, that goes a little bit outside their comfort zone, then I, typically what I would do, uh, I would ask for permission. And, and, and it's all because I want to make it easy for me uh, in the way that I'm giving feedback. If you remember, the Gen Xs were born to parents who were busy, who were busy working. Now both parents were busy working, while the boomers had the mothers at home. All right. So in Gen X, both parents busy working, so uh, they grew up. The Xs grew up to become more independent. Um, they are very intrinsic learners um, who view learning as something that's independent, self-directed. Okay. All right, so they want, to, they want to pick up things and they want to learn by themselves. Um, so a lot of self-directed activity for Gen Xs helps a lot. All right, so one example that I do with Gen Xs is I could, I could get them to read a certain passage, read a certain material, read a, a piece of knowledge, and then stand up and share that piece of knowledge with the classroom together with um, their experiences in terms of what relates to them. Okay, so very much like the baby boomers, because of the environment that the Gen Xs are brought in, therefore it shapes their way of learning. Mm -hmm. um, like you were saying, the majority of Gen Xs have parents who are working, mm -hmm. so therefore a lot of their activities, including learning, they have to source it independently, which kind of builds their uh, self-directed, self-driven kind of learning character. That's correct. Let's go back into a classroom and, and, and look at the Gen Xs. They are self-motivated, all right? Uh, provided they, they view that the knowledge transfer or the learning process is relevant to what they're doing. So there must be a rele relevance. If not, there is a high risk that they may switch off. So how do you constantly make it relevant back to their job that they're doing? Okay. Uh, and it also, uh, and, and for Gen X, here's another thing that we need to remember, and that is they, they put a lot of emphasis on work-life balance. They put a lot of emphasis on work-life integration, uh, and they're looking for, for fun compared to their parents. All right, so probably your parents were a little bit more serious, while Gen X tend to be looking a little bit more for fun. Now, they can also be impulsive uh, and impatient in terms of group learning environment. You make Gen X or <laughs> sound like a horrible bunch to, to have in a, in a program, you know? Is it a bad thing for them to be impulsive and impatient? 
Not really. I, you know, I love having Gen Xs uh, in a classroom. If I have pure Gen Xs in a classroom, it's so much of fun because they love fun. All right, they love having fun, and and it's easy for me to, um, you know, sometimes I get distracted in what I want to deliver, but that's fine because that's where I move towards student centric learning process. All right, so I, I try to give them what they want to know rather than what I have kind of like organized for them. So I love it. I love the process. I love the fact that they push you out of your comfort zone and they determine what they basically want to learn. You said the Gen Xers, their focus is on work-life balance and for fun. And it kind of makes sense because if they're brought up in an environment where their parents are the disciplinarian, mm. um, it, it makes sense that they want to balance it out and find fun uh, somewhere else. So in the programs that you run, what constitutes fun for uh, Gen Xers? What is fun for them? Sure. Uh, fun is something where they are constantly engaging their cognitive skills, all right? They're, they're engaging cognitive space and they're translating that into behaviors and activities and, and, and doing things which are different, right? So I, I, I like Gen X's because they bring out some of their more intrinsic behaviors which may be representative of them, uh, how they behave in the workspace. You know, learning, learning is basically, uh, and I, I like the fact that the biggest point for Gen X is the relevance. All right, and it's a great way if you can connect what you're talking about in a in a in a classroom or, or in a learning space, uh, and making it relevant to the to the, the gen uh, gen axis. All right, so so there were three things, and to me, there's always three things um, I feel for the gen axis that I need to keep in mind. If I have a room of gen axis, there's no other generation being represented in there. Make sure there are fun activities. Um, make sure there is relevance and understanding to um, to their their. It's an acronym that I use: VFM. W I I F F M. Oh, what's in it for me? The Ex famous radio station. Exactly, that's right. that's right. So, how do you make it relevant, and what's in it for them, right? And the third thing was discretion to complete tasks their own way, not the way I want them to do it but how they do it. So it could be rather ad hoc, it could be rather disruptive, but it's fine. There are learning takeaways from a classroom of Gen X. Uh, so we've talked about the baby boomers and the Gen Xers. Now the biggest uh, group of people that are coming into the workforce and, um, and are making a huge impact in the workplace as well as the learning sphere are the Gen Ys or also the millennials. So can you share some observations on how they interact, how they behave in your programs, what engages, what motivates them? Um, it's interesting, I've, you know, we've had um, many of these discussions with uh, my fellow peers in the industry uh, and one of the conclusions uh, that I have come to is either you love the Gen Ys or you hate the Gen Ys. You know, that's, that's just the two schools that you have out there. Right, and people who hate the Gen Ys, they're just going to they're, they're going to they're going to they're going to view a classroom of Gen Ys as a drag feat, you know. So that's that's what I realize it. So Gen Ys. So let's let's talk a little bit about Gen Ys. Let's go a little bit of background. Yes. All right. Who were the Gen Ys born to? They were born to typically the Boomers. All right. So their parents are the Boomers. 
And um, if you if you think about the boomers when they were born, they were typically born into larger families, so they had more siblings than the number of siblings that the Gen Ys have right now. All right, uh, the the size of these families have actually reduced significantly. In a lot of cases, either you're a single child, or maybe there are two children, or max there are three children. All right, so millennials are born to parents who um, wanted, planned for, cherished, and protected the Gen Ys like crazy. Okay. All right, and they still do. All right, they still do. Right, I've I've got a couple of Gen Ys in my house, and I do the same thing. I definitely cherish them, I plan for them. I kind of like create such an environment that they're totally protected in some ways. You know, I make the decisions and those kind of things. So it sounds like the background of how the millennials are brought up is that they're brought up in what they call the helicopter parenting, mm -hmm. where everything is monitored and looked after by the parents themselves. So it's the complete opposite of the Gen Xers where the parents are busy working and they have to do everything on their own. But Gen Ys, it's sort of like the parents decide everything for them, they care for them, they protect them, uh, in a way limit their boundaries on what they wish to do and what they can do. That's right. That That is absolutely correct. Um, one of the things that we also, uh, that I mentioned earlier is the millennials enjoy the lowest parent-to-child ratio, all right, compared to which is the number of siblings that they typically have. So, How does this affect their learning style if they have a lowest parent-to-child kind of ratio? Uh, what, what do they prefer? They prefer probably uh, elements of uh, being participatory in class. They like activities-based group work, right, rather than just being an individual. Um, they strive to earn high marks for themselves and even their team. So the teams that they work with, they, they always want to be kind of like this win situation. They always want to be on top. And in some cases, they may even bend the rules when necessary to do so, all right? So that they could stand out as champions or they could stand out as winners uh, in, a, in a little class project or whatever it may be. So, so um, in my, my perspective, I feel that there is a, a significant competitive element that, that has got high intensity within, within them itself, all right? Okay, so this sense of competitiveness, I would imagine it comes from uh, the parents caring and protecting their child. And with that kind of parental pressure, yeah. I would say there's a a desire from the parents to see their child become successful and to achieve whatever they want to achieve so therefore um, it translates into competitiveness within the millennials themselves and that also is demonstrated in say a learning program or, or a classroom of some sort. And, and yeah I, I play these different roles where I have to keep switching you know whether I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to a boomer or speaking to a Gen X or speaking to a Gen Y uh, so for the Gen Ys, um, one of the things is a lot of activities. You know, if, if I can get rid of the learner's guide that's in front of them, they'll be really happy. You know, so if I can just translate it to constant activities um, and, and probably with a little bit of lecture here and there, they're fine with that. But keeping them seated uh, for too long um, results in boredom, number one. And that's another thing, they have a very short span of attention. Right, and they always, when they get bored, they tend to gravitate 
to that uh, electronic gadget, that mobile gadget that they have in their hands. That's number one. Uh, the other thing that's also important for Gen Ys, I realized, is um, it's individualized feedback, right, and mentoring. So if you if you want to um, if you want to provide some constructive feedback to Gen Ys, then you probably call them aside and, and you give them a certain feedback. Uh, they prefer to come up to you and they, they sometimes will ask you for certain pointers and and you and you give it give it to them on a one to one basis. But I also what I do is I take that as a, an example. And I give it back into the group at a later point of time, without without mentioning any specific names to it. The third thing that I I, I thought about for Genwise is, um, like I said, they are tech enabled, and because they are tech enabled, uh, one of the most effective ways to engage them is using technology. And and I, in my humble opinion, that's why I think a lot of the uh, apps that's coming out these days is to facilitate that learning process uh, for the Gen Ys. And we are also trying to use them in, in terms of Gen Xs and Boomers. So there's, there's pros and cons there that we need, to, we need to recognize from time to time. As we understand the millennials, they are brought up in a technology kind of world. So when they came into the world, they have uh, access to technology at a very early age. And it also makes sense that uh, the learning technology we have now is available on our mobile apps, on our tablets, on our laptops. And if their attention span is really short, we want to make sure that their attention stays on the learning, be it on the mobile app or in the classroom. So do you have ways to incorporate technology within the classroom or within your programs itself? Yes, I do. And, and you got to remember, we're, we're talking about an adult space, you know. And, and the more I think about it is, um, Engaging things like e-learning, you know, um, engaging things like blended learning, creating LMSs, um, micro-learning. Um, these are all, I believe, um, tools that's going to help um, leaders become more effective in their role. So they need to grow, all right? They need to grow, but, but it's probably with the le by leveraging these tools, um, tools that enable them to be self-directed, um, and then, and then, probably at a later point of time, they may need someone to actually coach them. Then, then we come back as an individual. So we, we we are constantly looking for ways how to make learning more effective uh, for our clients. So, so apps is one of the ways of doing it. There are so many uh, interactive apps out there. Uh, one of them, which which I'm using a little bit more, is menti.com, m-e-n-t-i.com, and it's a great way to Whole people without uh, you know without revealing the identity, but but just soliciting that feedback, putting it on the screen, and people can see it on a real time basis. Uh, people could build on the ideas that they see on the screen. Uh, so that's one way where they engage with the phone. Now the, this is the simplest forms of using technology for a learning process. All right. There's there's also elements like Padlet, P-A-D-L-E-T. Uh, where you could uh, you could again poll people uh, in terms of trying to figure out words, creating word clouds and stuff like that. Uh, so, so that you know that's that's one way of doing it. But there are so many different platforms. I use uh, I use things like Kahoot. I use like quizzes and stuff like that. And and those are to pretty much jog people's memory throughout a learning program. You know what 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 are the things? What are the words that comes to their mind? 
uh, when 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 they see a certain thing or when they try to recall a certain thing. So so that's that's what we are trying to do right now, and and we are constantly, you know, I I want to say we are always in a state of flux, all right, in terms of how we move things uh, move things ahead, uh, and and we need to be sensitive again, you know, what kind of uh, what kind of uh, you know learners we have in the classroom. I see. So all the technology that you've mentioned, the e-learning, m-learning, is the classroom format still relevant for today? Because it sounds like learning can be done outside the classroom. I, I guess it all depends on uh, on different individuals and how they perceive the learning process. And what what's your learning preference? I, I guess that's that's what I you know I would say. You know, some people would prefer self-directed, but some still prefer like the boomers and probably the Gen Ys. Uh, they still prefer, you know, people coming together in in a in a group and, and talking about certain issues and learning from each other. So I, I in my humble opinion, I don't think uh, we will be able to totally eliminate the classroom environment. I, I think it, it's going to be something that complements all the different types of learning or, or the technology that we're talking about. You know, it complements basically. So I think there needs to be a balance of both. In a learning space, and and that's that's probably going to be how you make the learning more effective. Um, we we need to also take into consideration things like coaching. I think coaching and mentoring are also new skills that's becoming relatively important uh, in helping people discover knowledge and transform that into skills. I see. It sounds like it can be quite a challenge for a trainer or a facilitator in order to meet the different needs of the different generations. So what advice will you give to a facilitator or a trainer if they have an audience of mixed generations? How do they facilitate that effectively? Again, facilitation um, is, is unique to the, the classroom itself. Um, the combination, the, the different types of people and personalities and values that they actually bring into a classroom. Uh, in order for a facilitator to be more effective, I, I think he or she needs to constantly look at ways how to develop themselves. All right, um, I always believe that you know if I want to be um, if I want to be effective in the classroom, I have to be ahead of the classroom uh, in in the in the technologies that I want to use. So I I cannot be apprehensive, right? So I, I must be flexible enough to learn new things and to try new things. So that's another thing. Uh, it's like, do we have the courage? You know, a lot of facilitators and trainers kind of like are afraid that they come in, they may try to do something and the class is not forgiving and, and they get penalized at the end of the day in terms of your ratings and stuff like that. So from a, from a trainer perspective, I mean, my advice would be, uh, be keep an open mind, be flexible, be willing to adapt, uh, be willing to learn uh, what your, uh, your, your participants need Right? I, I think these are all going to be really, really valuable fundamental stuff that if you can do that, I, I think you would be able to rock the class. Excellent. Thank you very much for your time, Raymond, and for your insights and observations. I've certainly learned more about the different generations, their characteristics. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Ling. Thanks for inviting me. That was Raymond Thomas, founder of The Leadership Paradigm and co-founder of Enable. 
Remember to check out the podcast page where you can find contact details of our guests as well as highlights from this episode. The link to the website is available in the podcast description. I would also like to wish Raymond a big thank you for being my personal cheerleader in starting this podcast series. Also, to celebrate the launch of this podcast, a selected winner will be featured in one of our episodes. To be selected, write a meaningful review on our iTunes page by the 15th of February. The winner will be announced after Chinese New Year. This is your host, Ling Ling. Till the next time, thank you for listening to the Leaders of Learning podcast.